0: This episode of Silly Talks About Science Fiction is brought to you by Needful Things Antique Shop in Castle Rock, Maine.
1: We might not have what you should buy, but we have what you want.
0: Uh-huh. Spicy. Hi, I'm Jeff Gritman.
1: And I'm Kristen, Castle Rock Kiss.
0: <laughs> and we are the co-authors of a science fiction comedy book series called Prison Dad! Dead. That's right, Dad.com. You can check out our six books
1: yes yeah we're just coming out with a sixth this month
0: it's, it's gonna be done a po- it's gonna go to the publisher hopefully later on this week
1: yes and so. you can also see some character bios some short short stories some free cool stories still. free stories and some awesome other podcasts that we've on our done.
0: website com. Prisondad prison
1: dad.com
0: so this week we're here to talk to you about
1: Books, Stephen King books, to be precise.
0: That's right. We've never done a podcast about books. As much as we are authors, we've always yes. done stuff about movies and genre stuff and horror movies and blah blah blah. So it's kind of an interesting, little something new for us to do today. So it'll be it kind is. of fun.
1: Yes, and we are continu- continuing our Stephen Kingathon. Yeah. Uh, in honor of his 70th birthday last month, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: happy birthday, Mr. King! Again, yeah. you're, if you're still listening. amazing. pitching Um, So Jeff and I thought it would be fun To talk about our favorite Stephen King books But uh, since some of his are some of my favorites I'm going to let him take the lead on some of those And I'm going to talk to you about Ancillary ones on the side of those Or some other gems that I really love So So.
0: we're going to first start off By talking about The Shining So you you know Everyone knows the Jack Nicholson adaptation And you know The difference here between The Shining Book is that He's not crazy when they go there. You know, he goes there to write his book, to watch over the hotel over the winter. They get They get that terrible snowstorm.
1: Yes. It's really an allegory for addiction. Yes, exactly. Which is why it is, like, one of the most heartbreaking and horrifying books that I've ever read. Because it really sort of takes you there to sort of say, like, do you choose that drink and or insanity, or do you choose your family and, you know, what happens, what happens if you choose wrong? Do you still, is there still redemption for you? And what does that mean for all the possibility of, of your life? It's a, it's such a scary and sad story. Um, and it's... Really terrifying. I mean, it's so isolated. Yes. Which is another thing about addiction. Like, you're so isolated when you're addicted, you feel like other people don't really understand where you're coming from, and you can't communicate with other people, even when they're close to you. Like, that's sort of what Jack goes through, and it's like, he was getting better, but then he just keeps spiraling.
0: Right, uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's and interesting. All the ghosts of your
1: past come back to haunt you, like...
0: It's just, it's brutal. So, some 30 years after he wrote The Shining, though, he followed it up with uh, a a sequel of sorts.
1: Yes, which I'm going to talk to you about a little bit. Uh, Doctor Sleep. This one Jeff hasn't read, because it's newer. Um, And I'm the crazy reader. Um, And so, Doctor Sleep picks up with Danny Torrance being an adult. And he has this ability, because we know he had The Shine... To help elderly people...
0: You have the shin, boy! ...leave the world peacefully
1: when they're going to die. So he works at this rest home. And um, he's sort of preyed upon still by the ghosts of the Overlook Hotel. And ends up having to go back there to sort of redeem his father. Um, It's not as scary as The Shining but it was super cool to see Danny again as a grown up and it's it's a really good standalone book. Um it's sad and has to do again with the themes of sort of addiction and and like being sort of mentally tortured by yourself and figuring out like how you still can put a life together when you're dealing with your own ghosts. Right. Um but yeah, I really love Doctor Sleep. Of the two, the shining is, is way more horrifying in general. Right.
0: But it was written at a time where he was really struggling with addiction in those ways.
1: Yeah, it's it's really about Stephen King's addiction, The Shining. Like that's what the original story is about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of those stories of his though are dealing with the you know, a lot of these that we're gonna talk about. Well, we should transition and talk about it right now too, because it mm-hmm. it was, you know, another story about how he was drunk a lot while he was even writing it. And you know
1: high, he had and, you know, other addictions besides just drinking. And
0: it was a lot of his manifestations was was the clown, you know, that, that he that he created.
1: Yeah, and he was. famously has said that he doesn't even remember writing the end of Tommy Knockers at all.
0: Yeah. Because I always thought it was the end of it that he was drunk when he wrote No,
1: Though I thought it was the end of it because I didn't like the spider. Nah. But it was really the Tommy Knockers that he was really out of it for. Um yeah, I mean, when you sort of think about that, like, someone that can still come up with these amazing stories and, like, see them through to the end. But he didn't even get to enjoy his own process. Yes. Um, and The Shining is, you know, The Shining and Dr. Sleep are really about dealing with that. And then It is about, like, sort of being a child and being haunted. Yeah. And And that isolation from, like, the adult world. And then that whole idea of, like, adults... Forgetting imagination and shutting things out um, that are going on in the world that they don't want to see. So it it's a really scary, brilliant book too. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it is really relevant right now because I feel like a lot of America is really going through this period of time where they're not seeing what's actually going on in front of them because they don't want to. Uh,
0: you're totally right with that too. I mean, that's scary. It is scary. Down
1: in the sewer. Exactly. But <laughs> But um, it, I mean, we have a clown in the
0: White House. So that's the only difference right now. The
1: horrifying you know. clown with orange hair. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but it's right. super cool. It is super cool um, because I really sort of love like that storyline of like the kids. Um, dealing with something horrifying and trying to figure it out, and then as adults, like, how that's different, but they still have that relationship and that friendship. Um, I don't see a lot of authors really writing childhood in quite the same way that Stephen King does. I think he captures, like, a lot of the emotional range of children that, that other people just, like, forget to appreciate. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like out of all the stuff that I've read, like, his... Child characters seem more real to me, like more fleshed out than what I see in other books. So I, I really love that about it.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you too. And the Long and- Walk,
1: which is one of my favorite books, um, actually written under his pen name Richard Bachman. Um it was an older book, but it's one of the scariest things i've ever read It's a short you, novel, yeah,
0: so a lot of people don't know about this novella. Is it a novella
1: yeah it's a- sh- yeah, it's a very short novel, so a
0: lot of people don't know um so give us without spoiling it, why don't you give us a little bit of a you know i mean i I know it now but i didn't know it at the time so give us a little so it's the future two minute breakdown,
1: yeah, so it's the future, and there's basically everybody's extremely poor and starving. It's sort of like the Hunger Games a little bit, like a precursor to the Hunger Games. And young men have an opportunity to enter something called the Long Race. And the idea, or the Long Walk, sorry, the Long Walk. And the idea is that all of these young men join, they sign up for the Long Walk, and only one of them will win. And basically they have to just keep walking Until they die, or they stop walking and someone shoots them and they die. So the only one that remains at the end is the one that wins. But, like, in the Hunger Games, you don't realize when you first start out, and you think, like, this is an awesome opportunity, I can, like, save my family because they'll be fed for, like, the rest of my life. You don't think about, like, the emotional and mental toll that that's going to take on you, like actually going through this walk. So you're not going to be the same person when you start as when you end. And it is one of the most horrifying and heartbreaking stories that I've ever read. It's so scary. It reminded me of sort of like, if you guys have watched the... Um, Vietnam documentary that's uh, going on on PBS like yeah. it's very much like that it's these young hopeful young men that think I'm gonna go here and I'm gonna save the world right. for the people I love and that's not what happens you know they end up watching each other be destroyed right. and suffering exactly. horribly and it's it's absolutely like crushing but it's a brilliant really scary story so um, I highly yeah. recommend The Long Walk and again it's a really quick book
0: yeah yeah, yeah like you are saying we should talk about the opposite of a QuickBook book, and we should talk about The Stand right now. Now, we have dedicated a lot of time to The Stand this year. We talked about it on... We had a whole podcast on, just on The Stand because of these reboot rumors, which we were not okay with.
1: Yeah. And, hey,
0: I actually saw a statistic the other day that said it was, uh, at the time, it was the most expensive TV movie ever made. Did you know that?
1: No, but it makes yeah. sense, because it had a really great cast. Yeah, and...
0: that was the cast and the filming locations and and the stuff like that, which is why. Yeah. Now, I, I can't remember... Even still, from that moment on, still seeing a TV movie that was on that great of a scale, though.
1: No, I don't then. think there's been one, at really least don't, I'm aware Don't
0: of. do the TV movies as much as they used to.
1: People don't watch linear TV anymore. That's it's a very thing. different world, world from what we yeah. grew up in. Like where You we were just talking to our friends about this the other yeah. day, about like how you, know, you used to wait for that commercial to come on for the movie that you wanted to see because you had to watch T V like in regular time. So your friends would like call you like, Oh, I just saw the commercial for blah 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 and now it's like the second that it's released it's on the internet and you can watch it like eight hundred times in a row if you wanted to and that's not that wasn't the world that we grew up in. No. So in our childhood and our, you know, early teenhood, the Stan T V movie was awesome. But we had to wait every night for it to come out. Yes, we did. So it was like that anticipation and being excited to see what was happening was next.
0: It, I don't remember. Do we? Was it on once a week, or was it on four I days? I don't think. think it was on four days in a row. Do you?
1: Honestly, I don't remember. But we could probably I feel look like this it up was. easily. Maybe I feel it, like was. it was. But you just you did have to wait like a whole day. To I only watched.
0: I watched the fourth part live. The other three parts I had recorded because I had jobs. Oh yeah And stuff And, and I, we had
1: VCRs at yeah. the time They were The height of technology
0: I don't, actually don't know If I was I'm working A night job at, and, and by night job I mean like yeah, Something that would Jeff, work Like Jeff 9 o'clock at night Jeff working at
1: night He was the lady of the night No I'm just kidding um, but anyway, the so stand anyway, is an
0: awesome. So book. reading the stand, what does Stephen King say about reading the stand? Though he said it's like it's a commitment. Well, Steve- you know? yeah,
1: Stephen King has this sort of theory that if you like are reading like shorter novels by someone or short stories, it's like having like a few dates. But if you read like a long novel, it's almost like having a marriage.
0: I know I've read The Stand at least three times, and I probably started it with the hopes of finishing it. More than that, you know?
1: Yeah, I've read i can think
0: it, of where I've been... No, four times! Four, yeah, four, yeah four, I've four times, I think, four times. I've, I know I've read it. I can think of, like, where I was at those times.
1: Yeah, my sister and I read it right after we finished watching the movie. And it was, like, a commitment. Like, a time commitment. Because it was, like, a big chunkin' book. And yeah. I had the version that had, like, Molly Ringwald and Gary Sinise on the cover when I first read it.
0: I have the, um... Like, the the black and you know like the the white character with the sword and the black character my with dad the sickle had that. yeah
1: he had the hard cover in his room no, my my parents are huge Stephen King fans too um, from the time I was a kid, so, um, but I just remember my sister and I being, like, so scared. Yeah. You know, like, we were scared when watch the movie, but when they, we read the book, like, we were so scared, and when we would, like, go on road trips with our parents that summer, anytime we saw, like, army convoys, we'd be, like, hitting each the other army in the seat, we'd be like, trips! Captain Trips, Captain Tripp's!
0: I still coming! do that, do and when I see the crows, too, if I see, like, one, one crow, <laughs> like, I was going to Wawa and skip back on a Saturday, and there was, like, one crow on, like, a telephone pole, <laughs> and I'm, like, like at the traffic light at, like, 113.73, and there's this, like, this one crow, like, looking at me, and i just like, Dark man, he can see all the miles. He can call the rats. <laughs> M-O-O-N.
1: That's Bill's moon. You know it. Yeah, my sister and I and Jeff and I still quote this book all the time. It
0: our books. Our prison dad so books. We just finished editing volume six, and there are so many references to The Stand in it. Like every time it's going to rain, they're like, it's... His storm! Like, they're always saying, and...
1: Yeah, I just... This book is, like, a huge part of my life. It really and, is, And mine my too. identity, and, like, yeah. how I write. Like yes! I love... same lo- Yeah, like, Twinsies. I love knowing, like, the little vignettes about the different characters and how they build on each other, and, like, we have Old Lady Semple in our book. She's actually, like, an ancillary character yeah. in the stand that Trash Can Man talks about. Not the same character, but no. we took, used her name because As we just loved it so much. To tribute yeah. to
0: a great book. Um There are so many things like that. And there's even, like, there's so many things about, like, there will be an entire chapter dedicated to a character who dies at the end of the chapter. Right. A super flu survivor who ends up doing something. Remember, like, the girl who, like, the gun backfired on her when there was, like, that crazy guy walking toward her? It
1: was just, like, a sweeping story about America... Being destroyed. Breakdown right? of society. It was like so heartbreaking and fascinating and sad. And then, you know, Nadine's whole storyline where she waited her whole life and you're sort of following her through the book to see like she waited her whole life. She was like a teacher. She never slept with a man. Yeah. She knew she had this higher purpose. Yep. And then the higher purpose was only to destroy.
0: Bang the her. devil! Sorry. Like it's, it just is so like <laughs> eviscerating
1: when you're like reading it because it's like, like, I cared about her. And yeah. it was like, oh my god, she did all of this, only to have this horrible thing happen to her. Yes. And, and like, be destroyed. Like, it was just... We're all
0: dead, and this is hell.
1: Yeah, like, it's just such a, such an interesting book, and that's sort of like, that go between like, good and evil, but not everybody is all good or all evil. Like, everybody has the ability, which is summed up in Larry, to choose the wrong side. Yes. to choose to go with Nadine when you could go to Mother Abigail. Like, everybody has to face that every day in their life. And it was, like, sort of fascinating and so, like, sweeping and epic and awful to think about, like, America as you know it and people at the general store that you could go to every day are just suffering horribly and gone. You know, like yeah. it was, it was, it's probably the scariest book I've ever read. And I remember reading the short story that was like the precursor to it about the kids on the beach, which I think was in Skeleton Crew. Um, and that was so scary because it's so like desolate, like only a few people left, and they're watching everybody get sick around them. And it's, and for what? For nothing. Like nobody knows why it happened. It was a government experiment that went wrong, and you're just watching the world end around you like not with a bang but with a whisper
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know mm-hmm. your mom your mom coughing to death in her bed
0: right
1: you know or your dad dying in his bed and you have to drag him downstairs and bury him like all the visceral descriptions of like dealing with grief it's just a really uh, amazing book and I love the characters. I love a Stephen King book so much because even if the ending isn't exactly what I wanted, like I love his character so much, they feel like real people to me. And now, I do feel like it's a marriage when you get to the end of...
0: Yes, it do- Yes, when you get to the end. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, we should transition to talk about The Dark Tower now. And oh, we yeah. should talk about... It now, when I only ever read the first one, and when I read it, I was maybe f- f- 14, 15. Uh, it's, it's been a long time. You, on the other hand, have just finished reading all of them again.
1: Yes, I have.
0: From start to finish, you read every single Dark Tower book, a uh, short story.
1: And the Wind Through the Keyhole, which is like the sister anthology story that sort of falls in the middle, but isn't a part of the, um, you know, sort of lexicon. Right. Um, I loved it. The end I'm still struggling with, because it really broke my heart. Um, I wanted a happy ending for Roland, but I understand why he couldn't have one. Um, so spoiler alert. (laughs) Again, it's a really old book, so I'm not really going to apologize that much. It's not like it just came out guys. Come on. Um, but, uh, I really loved the characters It had that that epic feel to it, and because it's so many books, um, and they're so long, um, I actually read The Gunslinger and The Drawing of the Three years ago, when I was still in law school.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then The Half-Blood Prince came out, and I got obsessed with getting back into Harry Potter, so I took a break, and then I came back recently to finish The Gunslinger books. Um, and I love them. I, my favorite character is probably Oi, <laughs> which is based on like a dog that talks, which is kind of cool. Although he's like a badger dog, he's not like a straight up dog. Um, and then there's you know Jake and Susanna and Eddie and the heart of all of it is Roland. Um, my favorite books in the series are really um, the Wolves of the Cala and the Song of Susanna because that's when the quartet is like together and strong and that's the reference that's the word that Roland uses to refer to his friends when they become one for many so they're all kind of part of a team that's working to solve this goal of saving the beams from being destroyed by the crimson king and evil walter Mm-hmm. Walter's just an evil name. I don't know.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> even it's though it's my name? it's my neighbor's dog's name. And so transitioning really back to
0: what we were talking about, so um, at one point when they're traveling between worlds in the Dark Tower, mm-hmm. they end up in the worlds of the stain.
1: Yeah, which was really cool. So which um, book
0: is that in? And If you so don't know what the topic, in, is, you might not know.
1: I think it's in the end of the Wastelands. Yes, it's in The End of the Wastelands, which is re- a really cool book, too. That's when they have to leave the city of Lud and they get Jake back, and they have to ride on um, the evil uh, Blaine, the monorail, who makes them tell uh, jokes yes. that he knows all Maybe the answers to already. The, yeah. And it's really scary and sad, but when Blaine finally dies, he leaves them in, I think, Topeka, Kansas, but it's the Topeka, Kansas of the world in the stand. And so they get, you know, they get there and they're looking around and they read this newspaper, right? And so Eddie and Susanna and Jake are all from New York, but at different years. And they're all from New York before this would have happened. So they're all reading this with, like, horror and heartbreak about, like, the world that they knew having been destroyed by a virus, which was super cool to see characters in a book feeling the same way that i did when i read the stand like having that reaction of like wait a minute everything's gone like there's no new york there's no people there anymore like everybody's just gone and this whole world there's nothing left of it like it's such a horrifying it's worse than thinking about your own death To think about the death of like everything that you know um so, but then, and they get to meet Walter, who in this world is Rainbow Flag, which was super cool to sort of see, like, how he rides between, like, the stories like that. Um, because everything in the Stephen King universe really kind of ends up in the Dark Tower.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Um, and I just, that was my favorite part of it, is just how you, like you get to learn more about stories of characters that were not fully fleshed out in the other books. Like, uh, a really cool part in the the last couple books is uh, Ted Brodigan comes back as a character that sort of is helping Roland to deal with um, stopping the city where uh, the kids are being used to break the beam because he has incredible psychic abilities. And we know him from Hearts in Atlantis.
0: Right. Which was not
1: one of my super favorite books, but then when you see how it sort of all fits in, like you kind of right. see what what Ted was running from and why, which was a greater horror than was introduced really in that book. You just knew he was running from the low men, but he was portrayed as someone who was crazy right in the Dark tower books, like he's not like no. he really was being used as a weapon of mass destruction against mm-hmm. the entire known universe, essentially, which is super scary. Um, And you also get to know more about Dinky Earnshaw, who is in one of my favorite Stephen King short story anthology books called Everything's Eventual. Um, Everything's Eventual title story of the book is about Dinky and how he, he used his psychic abilities to kill people with sigils that he could conjure up. And he was sort of a contract killer, Where they would send him a name, and then he would have to imagine the sigils. And because of his power, he ends up being one of the people that's drafted to destroy the beam. And he was just, you know, a short story character in the short story that I read like years ago. And 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 then he ends up being part of, you know, the Dark Tower saga. So um, yeah, I really loved the books. I loved how he ended things for Susanna and Jake and Eddie. I wanted them to get to be happy after everything that they sacrificed. But I'm still a little sad for Roland. So I was really excited. I saw something on the internet this week where Stephen King was being interviewed somewhere and and someone in the crowd was asking, like, are you going to do another Dark Tower story for all of, like, your Dark Tower fans? And he said, yeah, he really thinks he is. And he might go back to uh, the battle where uh, his two really good friends were killed. Um, Which is cool. So I'm
0: looking forward to that. That's awesome. So, uh, another one of my favorites, though, is uh, Needful Things. And so, what drew me to this book when I first saw it, I remember being like, Walden Books in the Mall. And was, you know, the shiny cover gets you at first. But then, like, reading the back and it's just like, you know, like what we said in our um, intro to this, this podcast. You know, it's like, it's not what you need. But it's what you want.
1: Yeah, it's not what you should be buying. Yes, but, exactly. But you can't seem to stay away from it because you feel like somehow it's going to make your life better.
0: So the devil having that grip over you, having that ability to be like, you know, you really want this, and you're giving up part of your soul to get it, kind of thing, is 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 really amazing. Super
1: cool know? commentary on consumerism. Tara. Yes,
0: it, it totally is. Yes, totally is.
1: It really makes you like think about like. Especially like as a woman, when everything's like marketed towards like, if you buy this lipstick, like someone will love you. Well, here's the devil, like straight up saying that yeah, to you, exactly, and he can make it happen. The but, evils like, of advertising. The only way you can buy that lipstick is if you do something really terrible to someone,
0: right? And
1: then you have to live with that.
0: Like, yeah. Well, what about even you know on on top of all of that, we think about online shopping now.
1: And you
0: just, you know, you just, you just see it and you buy it, you know, one buy with one click, you know, and, um,
1: right. And you can get like so excited about the possibility of, of what having something could change about your life, even though ultimately it doesn't. I mean, I think anybody that, that understands at a certain point what their shopping tendencies are and is real with themselves, like you get it that you can buy that thing, but it doesn't really change who you are as a person. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't fix your pain. But the way that our society is geared up, you do believe that sometimes. Yeah, exactly. You know, and at Christmas, you believe if you get this present for somebody, like they'll understand you, you know, like this whole kind of evil,
0: yeah,
1: this evil sort of, uh, way of like manipulating people into thinking like a thing can fix something that a thing can't fix because it's the connection that you're really seeking not the object right but the devil is full of tricks man and he boy does he trick people in needful things it's such a cool book because i love how it's such a puzzle yeah like you know he gets one guy to want his varsity jacket and has him do something to a neighbor that doesn't even know who he is and he doesn't even know how what he's doing affects that person, but that person assumes it's somebody else and goes after them and does horrible things. Yeah. And that person who's had he horrible things He turns everybody
0: in the town against each other. ...is doing something
1: horrible back to the guy with the varsity jack. Like, it's just such a brilliant, like... I don't know, like like a puzzle.
0: I remember, like, reading it. So, like, you know, at the time I was reading Steeple... Uh, the first time I read Needful Things, you know... I already, like, you know, I saw The Stand and I read it. I saw it and I read it. I saw The Shining and I read it. So it was the first one of Stephen King's books, I think, when I was, you know, a teenager that I read without having seen something, you know, beforehand with it. Yeah, and didn't it just didn't even know like, this
1: was a movie till like, years later. Three
0: or four years ago, I was like, what the senator They never made a movie for that. I was like miniseries like what an actual the- theatrical movie
1: yeah so
0: that was that was yeah that was funny we talked about that on another podcast too this year but um with Needful Things though what kept me up at night like, reading it was just how how people just wanted and needed things and like I you know obsessively collected uh, music well I still do and um and comics when I was younger and like I, I always like like I had this I need something else now. Like, okay, I read this, like, let's read something new. Like, I listened to this, I want to listen to something else by this band, you know? And, um, so I think I, it struck a chord with me because of being such a consumer like that. that and
1: it should, because that's how all of America really is. Yeah. Like, most of us have had at least one or two things in our life that we obsess over and really, really wanted. And if we got it, we thought it was going to change everything in our lives, but if you were lucky enough to attain that thing, most of the time you realize, like, you just wanted something else. Yes. Once you had that, and that's exactly why the devil is so successful when he comes to the town. Because it's never enough, you know? And these people were doing, like, terrible things. They didn't have to pay money or put it on their credit card, but what they did...
0: Yeah. You know? They can't, there's no going back. Now... Um, Another one I want to talk about, though, is the impact Pet Cemetery had on us when we were younger. Because when we were younger, you know, when you lost a a pet, it affected you differently than it affects you now. Like, I mean, I I lost a pet two years ago. You lost a pet three years ago? Charlie, two.
1: It was right before my parents moved to Florida. So
0: Charlie, oh, Charlie passed away right before, right around the time Ashley did, too. That's right. Yeah. So... Um you know, but when I was younger we didn 't have an animal that passed away like that. I mean there were, we had a dog, but I mean, I was like three I barely remember having a dog like that, but I know other friends that did, so reading pet cemetery, you know and you know what they did with the you know i mean i didn 't know any friends that had kids that passed away that they right. put away in the thing but
1: I So I saw the Pet Sematary movie when I was a much younger kid, and it really scared the crap out of me, and I felt so bad for the little girl, yeah. like, losing her cat, and I felt so bad for the old man across the street, like, trying to warn them, and I just thought Gage was creepy, but, like, when I read the book, I read it as an adult that had friends that had kids, and, like, just, it was so horribly painful yeah. to read about, like, the dad, like, watching his son die and like how do you go on after that like i can't even imagine like how much people suffer when they lose their children i mean i loved my pets i loved all my dogs and like i loved katie girl who died when i was 11 i love charlie and mac um but it's not i mean obviously anybody that has kids and i don't have kids but i've seen other you know my friends have children and my sister has a little boy like I can't even imagine how you go on after that. And so I could totally relate to the dad wanting to bring his child back. But what happens is so horrifying. Yeah. It's like that whole idea of, like, not being able to let go and thinking, like, here's a way that I can put things back to normal. But the fact of the matter is, like, you can never put things back to normal. That person's gone. And, like, it's they kind of... Touch on it, you know, in, in Harry Potter with the with the um with
0: the, with the stone. Resurrection
1: Stone that like you can bring the person back, but it's not the person, and they know they're not supposed to be there. Um, Just so it's such a scary book, but it's more of just a heart wrenchingly sad book. Um, you know, yeah, and like, and who could stop that temptation? I mean, I think oh, that's yeah. like the scariest part. That's the scariest part of his books is it really makes you think about, like, what would I do if faced with that? Like, if I lost someone that I loved and I knew that there was an opportunity to bring them back, but they might not be the same. But when they come back, they're not even not the same. Like, they're actually evil. But can you you deal with that when you're in such grief?
0: Right, exactly. Like, are
1: you thinking straight You're enough not. to be like, that person's going to come back, but they're not the person I love? Or are you just so desperate to see the person you love that you would take them at any, you know, way they come back? Right, right
0: exactly. Yeah. I don't know,
1: like, that's what's so really scary about it, is, yeah. like, you could totally see why someone would do that. Mm-hmm. Like, how could you not? It's your baby. Yeah.
0: So, at the time I read Pet Cemetery*. I um. Chucky. I wasn't I wasn't in the right frame of mind where like I didn't there was no loss. I mean I, I lost uh an aunt that was very near and dear to me and um, grandparents, but there was no oh, I'm younger be sibling. My
1: grandma's pet
0: cemetery. <laughs> my grandfather was a very different human being than your grandmother. Let's just let's put it that way. It's very true. very different. Very different. <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd like to cover today? I would just
1: like to... I brought it up just briefly, but um, Everything is Eventual. Um, so all of Stephen King's short story anthologies, I think, are outstanding. He's such a good short story writer. He really knows how to tie everything together and make it like a complete thought in a short story. Um, I love his short stories, but Everything event, everything's Eventual is one of my favorites because it had a bunch of really cool stories. So like I said, the title story was a story about Dinky Earnshaw, shows up, um, later in the, uh, gunslinger slash Tower series. Um, but there's also Room 1408, which was a successful movie with um, John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. Right. The story is really scary. It's just a really good ghost story, right? Um, there's a cool story called Autopsy Room 4, which they remade into the Nightmares and Dreamscapes TV show um, about a guy who gets bitten by a snake, and he's not dead, but they're going to put him through an autopsy. Really, really creepy, um, but also fun. And then a really
0: cool story My called... I saw Tales from the Cryptic that one time. Yeah. Hmm?
1: A really cool story called Lunch at the Gotham Cafe about a couple that's getting divorced and being absolutely hideous to each other. And so that seems to be like the main focus of the story until the mater D completely goes insane. And then it's a completely different story than we're <laughs> expecting to see. Scariest part of that story, though, is that the couple is still so awful to each other that even when they're being faced with like a horrific maniac, like their behavior to each other is the most abhorrent thing that's going on in the story, right. which is fascinating to me. And then there's a really beautiful story in the, this book um, that I just I always think about it when I'm feeling like lonely on the road um, or doing stuff like that. It's called uh, "All That You Love Will Be Carried Away," which is just a beautiful title. But um, it's about like a traveling salesman, and he has this dream of writing a book where he's collecting like all the graffiti that people leave places. And uh, in bathrooms, and trying to make sense of it because he's so isolated. Um, it's not a scary story, but it does evoke this really like strong sense of like how many people in America are going around every day that you just don't even notice, and right. how like lonely they are, and and how like they have these hopes that maybe never will be realized, and how kind of heartbreaking that is, um, which is horrifying in its own way. But, um, I, yeah, I can't speak highly enough about his short stories, but this book was one of my absolute favorites. They're I love his short stories. Really I,
0: I do love short stories, um, you know, even even in, in me- other medias, too, when you think of The Black Mirror and The Twilight Zone, it's a good way to think about it, too. Yeah, yeah. Definitely check out The Nightmares and Dreamscapes if you, if you like stuff like that. And if you really like short stories, you should really check out Prison Dad!
1: Prison Dad is chock full of fun times!
0: That's right. We'll do a whole podcast about our books one day. Yep. All we, right. We're trying
1: not to scare people, though. We're trying to make people laugh.
0: Yeah. Life is too scary. Ours are silly, <laughs> they're filled with plenty of, plenty of Stephen King references and all sorts of other things. So, thank you for that joining us. Check out some books. Read some books
1: for your hairy, scary Halloween. And uh, hey, come check us out at ChessyCon.
0: Yeah, that's right, in Timonium, Maryland. Timonium, Maryland. 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 Right We're going to eat some
1: turkey and head on over there. It's yep. going to
0: be a great time. Yep, exactly. Kristen's going <laughs> to get the tea from the Baltimore tea shop she keeps talking about. Oh, I love those teas. So good. Kristen, why do you spend $500 on tea? I'll drink it all, I tell
1: you. They have this amazing strawberry dipped in chocolate tea, which is just delectable. Um, that has nothing to do with Stephen King, but it's just a really lovely tea.
0: We're going to write them, <laughs> see if they want to sponsor our podcast. Until then, we'll be back next week where we talk about Stuff something.
1: and things, <laughs> and maybe Rick's hat. I don't know. I've not been watching The Walking Dead lately, so naughty on me. But I would
0: watch it tonight, but I'm here. <laughs> so anyway. I heard that uh, all things serve the beam. They certainly do. Watch out for Shardik the Bear and
1: always believe in Maturin the Turtle. And um, drink your Nozilla and uh, may the Force be with you and Stephen King forever. Happy Halloween.